I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Hi, welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Kate. This is Mike. Today, we have with us Melissa Ambrosini, who's the best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide, host of number one podcast, The Melissa Ambrosini Show, a motivational speaker and self-love teacher. Named a self-help guru by Elle Magazine, her message that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word, has inspired women across the globe to activate their dreams and live life on their own terms. Yeah, this was a very, well, I was only here for half the podcast because I was busy putting down our children. Mike joined us midway through. So who decided that since it started to stay later out here in Maine past five o'clock that they are now changing their bedtime on us. It's like, that's what it feels like at this moment. So that was interesting. But I feel like this was a great podcast for the part that I was here. And, and the part that you weren't here for was also great. I would imagine it is. I'm going to listen to it. So I'm gonna yeah, Melissa listen. started out, you know, we got into the nitty gritty. She explained how her business works and her 13 different revenue streams, which I always love hearing about, you know, how people make money. I think it's fascinating. She shared her journey of ending up in the hospital in 2010. It was sort of a, a horrific story, actually, how she was, you know, performing on the West End in Broadway and also at the Moulin Rouge in Paris, and then how she ended up back home in Australia in the hospital. And then her journey over the last nine years to create this internationally well-known brand around self-love. And we talked about parenting. She's a stepmom, or she calls herself a bonus mom, which I love. I call my bonus mom a bonus mom, too. We talked about sex, raising sex-positive and body-confident kids. Yeah, it was cool to hear her story of the health journey because... I went through something similar last year and hers was nine years ago and kind of what she's done in that process to grow from that because that was really her life changing moment. So it was pretty cool to like find some other ex full blown mm -hmm. eczema person. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right now. She's delightful. I yes. will say that Melissa's delightful. And what I would love is as you're listening, if you're enjoying the episode, please screenshot it. Post it in your Instagram stories, tag us, let us know that you're enjoying it. We love to connect with our listeners. We love to see that. And then, of course, it helps spread the word so other people will get the inspiration. And leave us a review. We love every review. We read every review. And they are what helps to have other listeners find out about the show. So enjoy this episode. And then, of course... Leave a review if you're a regular listener. Subscribe if you haven't. And I think you're really going to love hearing about opening wide from Melissa Ambrosini. All right. Welcome to the Kate and Mike show. This is Kate and uh, my adorable co-host is tending to our children who are not wanting to go to bed. But we have our amazing guest, Melissa, who is down under in Australia. Where in Australia do you live? I'm currently in Noosa, which is in Queensland okay. on the Sunshine Coast. So it's uh -huh. just like magic here. I'm sure it is. I've never been there, but I want to go. But the thing is, time zone wise, we're recording at our children's bedtime. So we knew it was risky and Mike will be popping in as soon as the children are asleep. So, but Melissa and I are going to warm it up. <laughs> so, Sounds good. As you know, who have been listening for a while to our show, this is, you know, Par for the course. We keep things pretty cash around here. So welcome, 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 Melissa. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. It's really great to connect. And it's so fun because last week we got to talk on your podcast, The Melissa Ambrosini Show. So definitely go listen to that. She is an amazing show. It's a number one podcast. And now we're getting to connect here. 
So fun. I know. And your episode went live today. So that's pretty cool. I love that. I love that. I love that. Okay. So I want to know if you can give me, I really like to know about logistics and nitty gritty details. So for sure, if I ask you something you don't want to talk about, feel free to, you know, feel free to just be like, nope. But there's really, I mean, I don't ask inappropriate questions, but I like to ask about the minutia of people's lives because I find it fascinating. Me so, too. Okay, great. <laughs> so would you be willing to start off with just letting me kind of know and letting our listeners know the lay of the land, you know, I know you're a stepmom, I know you're a business owner. So if you could let me know like the key players in your life that you're sort of, you know, navigating and dancing with, and then also your revenue streams, like how your business is set up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I am a stepmom. I have a 13 year old bonus son, I call him. And I obviously have my husband, Nick, who I just love and adore. And we actually split our time between two different states. So we have a home in Sydney or in Bondi Beach. And then we also have a home in Noosa, which is about an hour and 15 minute flight from Sydney. So Nick spends two weeks in Sydney with Leo and then comes to Noosa. And I kind of go back to Sydney not as often as him. And then on the school holidays, Leo comes here. So we split our time between two different states, which we're going to do until Leo finishes high school. And then we're going to move here full time. But right now, whilst he's still in high school, we want to have that foundation for him there. And so that's, you know, that's a thing in its own is splitting your time. And also it's taken a little while to get used to not seeing my husband for two weeks. Like two weeks is a long time. Yeah, it is. It's about my max to not see Mike. Totally. It is my max. And even uh, like, even like 10 by 10 days, I'm really over it. I'm really over it. And we work and we live together, obviously. And so he's, you know, he's my soulmate, he's my best friend, same as you and Mike. And so by 10 days, I'm like really over it. Sometimes I'm like, you know, the first few days I'm like, this is amazing. I can sleep in the middle of the bed. (laughs) And then I'm like, okay, you can come back now. So there's that whole thing. And then in terms of our business, we actually, we were getting interviewed last week. So we actually wrote down all of our different revenue streams because it was a business podcast. So I know this very well off the top of my head. In between both of us and both of our businesses, we have 13 different revenue streams coming in, which is just amazing. So for me personally, I have my books, speaking gigs, all of my online programs and products and meditations. I'm like you, I'm an affiliate for B-School and IIN. So they're the only two things that I'm affiliate for and another one called IHP. And IHP? IHP is similar to IIN. It's called the Integrative Health Practitioner Certification. So it's similar, but deeper than IIN in the sense that it goes deeper into Ayurveda, which I just love and I'm obsessed with. So we've got the affiliate and then we've got podcast sponsorships. Um, we've got brand collaborations and then Nick has, Nick is a musician. So he has music royalties. He's also a movie producer. So he has producer royalties and things like that. And then he's got all of his things. And then together we also have our network marketing doTERRA business as well. Oh, I didn't know. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. So there is, I think in total, there's about 13 different revenue streams. And I think that's just amazing because I was chatting to a friend last night and we were talking about our parents. So my mom is a nurse and my dad is an air conditioning mechanic and electrician. One revenue stream. And Nick's parents, his dad is a dentist, was a dentist. He's now retired. And his mom was a dental nurse. And that's how they met. And they have one revenue stream. And I truly believe that financial freedom is about having these multiple revenue streams just coming in. It's like you being an octopus. There's so many different arms and ways that money can come to you, which is just so amazing with technology that we're able to do that. It's so cool. And I love knowing 
the revenue stream. I, you know what? I feel like we don't talk about money enough as a culture. I mean, of course I'm American, you're Australian, but I think they're somewhat similar culturally in that way. And I love talking to my entrepreneurial friends about how they're making money because it's like the big elephant in the room. We're all thinking about it. We're all looking at other people's businesses online and wondering, well, how the heck are they doing that? So thank you for sharing. I love that. Now, my next question for you then is how do you, and I'm sure it varies from time to time and season to season, day to day, whatever, but I'm just curious, what are some of your strategies for not getting overwhelmed? Because 13 revenue streams is a lot, and there's a lot of different ways your energy could be going at any given time. So how do you keep yourself organized, like organized slash knowing where to put your focus on? Mm, really good question. I am incredibly organized and I'm incredibly like, this is a trait of mine that I love and that other people compliment me on, on the, a lot is I don't think I would be able to do everything that I do if I wasn't organized. Like I, I know that you guys are all into systems. We use teamwork as we our project management. The it's the best. Yeah. So <laughs> that combined with another project management software called things, which is from the same, uh, the author of getting things done, which is about a, a project management system way of being. I've always been very organized, very structured, very streamlined. That's how I thrive. That really lights me up. So for me, I live by my digital calendar. I know you and Mike do as well. Like everything is in my calendar. I see my husband's calendar. It's all in one. He's got a different color to me. And then we've got, so I'm in pink, he's in blue. And then anything to do with both of us or Leo, it's in yellow. Anything to do with family stuff, school stuff, it's in yellow. So, and during the days, to be honest, I turn off his calendar unless I need to see it. And I just can go in. I know what I'm doing. I just follow my calendar. I just follow what's in there. My whole team, and I have a whole virtual team, they all have access to my calendar. And, you know, all my meetings, everything's in there. All the details are in there. So it's a matter of just putting everything that needs to be scheduled in there, using teamwork as well. And then also, you know, I don't know if any entrepreneur really ever completely switches off. Like, I don't know. I'm like, show me someone, show me an entrepreneur who can get to the weekend and doesn't think about ideas or something else they can be doing. I mean, in my meditations, it's constantly like, oh yeah, that's a great product. Oh, I could, I could create that. Oh, that's a good book title. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's never really off. And you know, that's something that I'm, I'm working on. And not allowing my, not, you know, getting overwhelmed. I think it's really easy to fall into that overwhelm trap. So I'm just super mindful of it. Whenever I am feeling overwhelmed, I voice it to my husband and I'll say to him, you know, I'm feeling really overwhelmed and he'll kind of be like, okay, cool. Well, you know, what is it that's overwhelming you? And we'll unpack it. And then he'll be like, okay, well, let's, let's get rid of that. Or let's, you know, he'll help me come to a solution so that, you know, we can alleviate that overwhelm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that because I do find that overwhelm is more of a state of mind than it is an actual thing for myself, at least like I get into a loop and it, yeah, it just requires a conversation most of the time and a different way to approach it. Totally. And it's usually because we're future tripping. So overwhelm comes because we're in the future. We're like, oh my God, I've got to do that. And then I've got to do that. And then, oh, that day is so busy. So I remind myself in those moments to just come back to presence. Yeah. You know, it's just come back to presence because all that matters right now is that I'm fully present here with you. That's all that matters. Everything else that I need to do in my teamwork and my to-do list doesn't matter right now. I just need to be fully present here with you. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. And I'm curious, what are some of those ways that, you know, if you are doing anything really, and you notice yourself future tripping, given that you work to some degree with your husband, you know, Mike and I work together as well. And I find with that whole thing that you said about not ever really shutting off, especially because we work together there is this tendency, which I am a, more of a culprit of it than he is, of just being like, 
oh, we're out on a date night. And I'm like, oh, so I had <laughs> so I had this really great idea and I want to talk about it because I love our business and I'm excited about it. And it is like part of my aliveness. But at the same time, sometimes A, that drives him crazy. Mm-hmm. And then B, like I am a future tripper. Like that's one of my traits. And so I'm curious, what are some of those ways that you find for yourself helps you really be where you are? Well, definitely Nick is so present. He is so present and I'm like you, I'm the future trooper. And I think that's, that is very much, you know, a lot of women are like that. We're very much in the future. We're always thinking ahead and and men are very in the moment and Nick especially is so present. And so even just having that conversation with him and him reminding me is a way that I can kind of come back, but also reminding myself of that, like, okay, I'm aware that I'm future tripping and I'll just take a couple of really deep breaths because there's nothing like the breath to bring you back to the moment. And usually in those times I'll catch myself and I won't be breathing. Like I'll just either be doing these shallow breaths. So I'll take a couple of really deep breaths and I'll say, I'm here, I'm present, you know, I'm right here. Just reminding myself of that. Meditation is an amazing thing that I'm so passionate about. I love meditation. It's changed my life and saved my life and I'm such a huge advocate for it. And then, yeah, they're they're mainly the main two, they're the main two things that really bring me back meditation and my breath and yes, reminding myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now I know that in 2010, you ended up, you know, you had this sort of bottom experience where you ended up in the hospital and then a lot has changed since then. So do you, I, I would imagine that's probably when you started meditating and, and started a lot of your spiritual practices. So do you mind sharing that story for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So 2010 was my rock bottom and where my whole life changed. So before 2010, I was living a very different life to the life that I live now. Like there was nothing holistic. There's nothing wellness or green smoothies about the way that I was living. I was actually a professional dancer and I did I did acting and TV presenting and musicals. And I went to the Moulin Rouge in Paris and I danced there for a year. And then I moved to London for two years and I performed and did a musical on the West End. And I loved it. Like I started dancing and singing at the age of three. And I know you were really into that too. So I absolutely loved being on the stage and performing and talk about presence, you know, like you can't be performing and thinking about your shopping list, you know, and oh, I've got to do that. You know, you don't, you're just, you're so present. You're on stage. You're, and that's why I think I loved it so much because it was just freeing. And so when I was living in London, I then my visa expired and I had to move home and I was devastated. And Mike's here um, now. Hey. <laughs> Hello. She's telling us about her about her career in the West End and her story of 2010. So this is really when her whole life changed. So this is great. This perfect is Mike. Time. This is Melissa. Your perfect timing. Okay, carry on. Yeah. So um I had my visa expired and I had to move back to Australia and I was devastated and I didn't want to because you guys know that the industry in Australia is not like New York or LA or Paris or London. The industry here is very, a lot smaller and I'd already done what I'd wanted to do as a performer here. So I knew that coming home, I would be not doing what, not, being in the performing career anymore. And so I spiraled into a very dark depression and my health started to plummet. And I was partying on the weekend, trashing my body just to numb the pain that I was feeling. And at that time, my friends that I had, they dumped me, the guy I was seeing had dumped me. And I kept on ignoring all of these warning signs to look after myself. I was in and out of emergency for crazy things like allergic reactions and my whole throat would swell up or I'd get hives all over my body. And I just continued to ignore them until 
my entire immune system shut down. I had chronic fatigue and thyroid problems and I ended up in hospital for a week. And in the hospital, I had my mum and my dad by my side. And that was the darkest and most challenging time of my life. Cause not only was I dealing with all of these mental health issues like anxiety and depression and panic attacks and eating issues. I was also dealing with all the physical stuff that was going on in my body, my entire immune system just deciding to turn off. And I contacted the cold sore virus and I'd never had a cold sore before in my entire life. And because my immune system was so low, it kind of took over my whole body and I had cold sores all over my face, like in my mouth, down my throat, in my eyes, in my nose. I had hives all over my body. I had eczema all over my body, which is looking back, it was such a reflection of the turmoil I was experiencing on the inside. And so when your health is taken away from you and your face, you know, that this is how I worked. This is what I I needed my body to work. I needed my vehicle. You are forced to really look. You're forced to really look at yourself. And I remember I got into the hospital on a Saturday and they gave me so much morphine because my face was like, it felt like someone had taken a blowtorch to my face. Like it felt like piranhas were eating my face. It was so painful. And they gave me morphine and I ended up falling asleep and just sleeping. And then a few days later, I'd finally woken up and my mum was beside me and she said, Oh, how are you darling? Are you okay? And I said, yeah, I feel, you know, I feel okay. And I said, I need to go to the toilet. And she said, okay, well, I'll help you get up. And she helped me get up and she said, darling, I don't want you to look in the mirror. And I was like, oh, well, okay, well now I'm going to look in the mirror. Like, of course I'm going to look in the mirror. And oh my gosh, like I just broke down. So by that time, all of the cold sores had turned into scabs because they'd put me on such high doses of antibiotics. So they were no longer like active, but it looked like just there was a, it looked like someone had taken a blowtorch from my eyes down and I couldn't open my mouth. Like it was kind of shut together. And, you know, I was just crying and crying and crying. And then a new friend that I just met about a few weeks earlier at a yoga class sent me a package. And in that package was Louise Hayes, You Can Heal Your Life. And my whole life changed in that moment. I read this book and I was like opening each page and I turned to my mom and I'm like, why didn't you tell me this stuff? <laughs> like, where, why haven't I been taught this stuff? And she was like, oh, darling, you know, I was doing the best I could, you know, and I'm like, okay, I understand. But I'm just like reading it going, no one has ever told me this stuff. No one. And at that time, then a little voice said inside me, you know, you get healthy and happy again and you will live a life beyond your wildest dreams. And I was like, I didn't know what that was at the time. Now I know it was my intuition, but I didn't, I was so disconnected from myself that I wouldn't have known what my intuition was if someone had told me. And so I decided to follow that voice because the alternative was to continue suffering and being in pain. And then from there I decided, okay, the lowest hanging fruit for me was to get healthy and so I went on and studied holistic nutrition at IIN and became a certified holistic health coach. And then that just opened my eyes. And then after that, I realized that it's not just about the green smoothies and the kale and eating the good foods. It was what goes on upstairs in your mind that matters the most. You know, the demons, what I call your inner mean girl, that voice inside our head is what we need to work on. 
And so I went on and studied life coaching and yoga teacher training, meditation teacher training, energy work. So I studied acuenergetics, which is like energy healing work. And I read every personal development and self-help book I could get my hands on. I went to every single seminar that I could attend in Australia. And I just became totally immersed and obsessed with this health and wellness and spirituality and being the best version of myself. And I read your mum's book, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom at that early stage as well. And I just became obsessed with learning about this stuff because I started to feel better. I started to be happier. And I was like, well, I'm just going to keep following this. And this has been, you know, the last, we're in 2000 and uh, what are 19. we in now? 19. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it's hard to keep track. I'm like, where are we? Yeah. And it, that's been my journey for the last nine years has just been this discovery. And I started straight after I got out of hospital, I started this thing called a blog when not really anyone had started them. And I began sharing what I was learning and remembering and realizing about health and wellness and about my relationship with food and my body. And then I wrote my first ebook and that was my first taste of residual income, like um, passive income. I was like, Whoa. So I woke up and I'm like, I've got all these sales from whilst I was asleep. I was like, this is, this is cool. Like, (laughs) this is amazing. And then I created online programs and started to get booked as a motivational speaker. And I'm like, how is this even happened. I don't know. And then I got my first deal with one of the biggest publishing houses in New York, Penguin Random House, which I was so grateful for. And then I wrote my second book and started my podcast. And it's all just snowballed from there. And and here I am today. And we also, about 18 months ago, we started our doTERRA business as well, which was a way that my husband and I wanted to be of service on a bigger capacity to our tribe. So that, and that here I am now. That's so, it's such an amazing cool. story. I'm, it, I didn't, I read your book and it's so powerful to hear it from somebody with their voice. So thank you for sharing that story. And thank you also for listening to that call. And it's so like, it's so amazing for me to hear you share that that it only happened nine years ago because I was raised, you know, with Louise Hay's books and stuff. And so I think that like for me, and of course I've had my issues, so I'm not saying like that kept me from having stuff because I continue to, (laughs) but like it's so, what's so inspiring is that like anybody at any time, like you don't have to have been raised in a family that believes this. You don't have to have been raised in a family of entrepreneurs you know, you don't have to have had access to this. Anybody at any time can create what they want. And you're just such a living testament to that. So I just, I love that. It's very inspiring. Thank you. It's pretty cool. It is, right? Mm -hmm. I have a million more questions. Do you want to jump in? Why do you think this doesn't, this totally doesn't have, why do you think Australia or has it changed now? Because when you started telling your story, you said Australia is not the same as New York. Oh, because she's a performer. Oh, got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, was, well, is, I mean, let's be honest. Like we still are performers. We all are. Yeah. Right. I mean, we all, we all put on an act every day. We walk out. <laughs> well, but like going on speaking gig or doing yes, videos correct. or even a podcast, like it's still, you know, we're us, but also performing. Well, do you think well, Australia if- now has, has become this performance hotspot? No, oh, no, not not like no. no, not not like not like overseas. Like I mean, New York. Like you look at the, you know, Broadway and all of those places. It's just it doesn't have the we don't have the facilities like you guys do over there. Yeah, we just don't. Unfortunately, do you still go to dance class or do any performing in that regard? Yeah, I do. So. About a year and a half ago, Nick and I decided, and Nick does not dance at all, we decided to take up ballroom and Latin dancing together. And so we we did that and we absolutely loved it. But now that we spend more time in Queensland and not in Sydney, where we are here, there's not a lot of access to that stuff. It's very quiet. It's like a 
little country beach town. You know, it's not like a big city. So we don't have access to that. So with having Nick not having dance experience and you having performance experience, was that hard for you to work with somebody that didn't have the experience? Oh, yeah. Like I was like, come on, like, you know, you got two left feet. But no, it really did. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It really brought us together even more. It was so beautiful to share that because no matter what was happening in our day, you know, we like you guys, we live and work together. Although he has his own stuff as well. He's a musician, but we have some businesses together. You know, no matter how busy we are in our day, we would get in the car, we'd drive to our dance lesson and nothing else mattered. You know, it was just like we'd leave everything at the door and then just come together and it was really beautiful. It was only for 45 minutes and it was just so beautiful to have that together, that time together. Mm. That's very fun. So you went through kind of this healing crisis, I guess you could call it, and that was nine years ago. Did that happen nine years ago? Okay. What has, like, in your life now, those things, like, don't kick back up or you have, I guess we could call it, like, a relapse or something. What have you integrated into your daily life now that has kind of, or over the period of the nine years, like, maybe you've tried different things, clearly, because you're getting a lot of certifications. (laughs) You're like, Kate, you know, certification and everything. Um, We're highly certified. (laughs) You get the life certification, the you, you crush the certifications of life. Yeah. Um, but like what, how was it for you to adapt a practice that's on a more regular basis? I think what happens when you embark on this journey is you cultivate more and more self-awareness and self-awareness is like a muscle. The more you strengthen it, the more you go to the gym and you do your squats, the tighter that your booty is going to get. And I feel like the more you practice self-awareness, the stronger that gets. So that doesn't mean that things haven't happened to me over the past nine years. Things have definitely come up, but because I have the awareness that I have now, I'm able to see that everything's always unfolding exactly the way it's supposed to. And I know when you're in the pit of it, when you're going through the health crisis or the financial crisis or the relationship breakdown, it can feel hard sometimes to remind yourself that, oh, everything's unfolding the way it's supposed to, but it truly is. You know, it truly is because in every situation, there's always support and challenge. And in those challenging times, we sometimes forget to look for the support. So with me, In 2010, when I was in hospital, that was an incredibly challenging time. But the support, if I just opened my eyes and looked up, it was my two beautiful parents who did not leave my bedside for the entire week I was in hospital. And, you know, since then in 2015, my best friend passed away from cancer. And that was another, like, gut-wrenching, rip your heart out of your chest and stomp on it 50,000 times. The pain from that is like nothing I've ever experienced before in my entire life. But in that time, even though it was challenging, there was support because whilst that was happening over here, my friendships, we became sisters in that time because you can't go through a really challenging time like that and not strengthen your relationships over here with your girlfriends. And that's what happened. And, and those girls now, they're my sisters for life. And then again, last year, another one of my dear friends took her own life. And the pain from that, like you can't explain it, the pain that you feel from a situation like that. But whilst that was happening, mine and Nick's relationship was just getting stronger and stronger. And we were taken to the next level because we had a tangible experience of, and a reminder of the sacredness and the preciousness of life. And, you know, sometimes those situations happen to remind you of that, to remind you of the preciousness, to remind you of the sacredness and to not take anything for granted. And so even though that was really challenging, mine and Nick's relationship was just, getting stronger and stronger. So this 
reminder of everything's always unfolding the way it's supposed to. And there's always support in those challenging times has really been the foundation of what has allowed me to keep going over the last nine years. Whenever I've fallen down, they have been the things that have helped me get back up. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. So how long have you been married? Five years, just over five years. Five years. And then how long after you were married did your book Open Wide come out? Open Wide was last year. So yeah, like last year. Yes. Okay, great. So as you were writing, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a very personal book, but it's not like a memoir. Right. But I'm curious because we, I get this question all the time for people who want to write books that have to do with their personal lives. And your book has a lot to do with sex and your marriage. And so I get the question and I'm curious how you would answer it. Like, how do you write things that are true without, you know, without exposing the people you love? And I was just curious about your process in writing Open Wide and, and, and how you grappled with that, if at all. Hmm. Well, with Nick, he was the one that was like, you need to share this. So he had no issue me sharing. Like, in fact, he was like, share more, share more. Like he was the one that was kind of like, you need to go deeper into that and you need to share more about that because it's going to help people. Yeah. And every story that I shared, whether about myself or whether about someone else, all of the identifying features and the names obviously changed, but they were all the stories are shared with permission, which is really important. But I also asked myself, and this is a really good tip for any writers out there that want to write a book or even a blog post or whatever. I always ask myself whenever I'm writing a story about me or someone else, is this going to serve my reader? And if the story, if I'm like, you know what, that story doesn't need to be told. It's not going to serve my reader at all. Then I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave that out. But if the story is like, yes, this is really going to serve someone. It's really going to help someone. Then I leave it in. So that question really helps me kind of work out which stories to put in. And then, yeah, I always ask for permission, but I didn't really have that issue with Nick. He was like green light for everything, but And I don't know if you feel like this, Kate, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, but I get severe vulnerability hangovers after every book. Like I feel, you know, there would be times where I would wake up in the middle of the night, I'd roll over to Nick and I'm like, did I share that story? And he's like, yeah, babe. And I'm like, is it too late? Can we pull it out? And he's like, baby, it's gone to print, you know, like it's too late. And I'm like, no, no, it's too. And so then I get over it. Like, it's usually like the week leading up to pub date where I'm just like, I don't sleep. I'm just like, I feel sick to my stomach. And then I'm like, I'm over it. I'm done. But I'm curious, does that happen for you too? It does not. I think it might be because this, I don't remember the last time I wrote because it was like my first book came out in 2013 and I don't even remember. You had a three year and then hangover with that one. I did. I had like a three year hangover with that book. this happened to me? What? Yeah, yeah. But then the next book was just now. And like, I think because we've had a very challenging year and we have these little kids and I think I just didn't have the, I don't know. I don't, I, I mean, you I tell, you this. say, I'll you say. say. So <laughs> with money, a love story. The first one, I think there was like a three year identity crisis of like, there was. what am I doing here? For sure. With do less. She hasn't gone. Like, I don't know if one thing is it's, it's like the personal stuff. Like exactly what you just shared. Exactly. Like Kate hasn't gone. I was going to say like, I think it'll happen with a yeah. future book. I just but right now it hasn't been like, yet. oh, I shouldn't have shared this or not shared that. I think that was, and there's also an idea, you know, with Kate, there's also this, because of her, are children up again? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. Frithio's listening, just sort of blank. I, I think. Well, I explained where you were at the beginning. But there's also where her mother wrote so much about her life 
There's also so that. there's this. She grew up in this environment that was like sharing without. Well, yeah, like I have people thing, come right? up to me and say, "Oh, I feel like I know you because your mom wrote about you so much," and I'm like, "That's a very weird thing to say to me." <laughs> so there's very a lot of conscious reality of when she's writing to not have that feel come across. So I feel mm-hmm. like that eliminates like that experience you're you're going through. Because I think with your books, it may, maybe hasn't. That's an interesting insight. Yeah. So it hasn't gone into that type of personal level. So I'm curious, what was the spark that had you want to write your second book? Because I think like a first book is a very different thing than a second book. A lot of people write first books. Not a lot, but more people write first books than write second books. So (laughs) I'm curious, like, how did you know there was another book in you? And what was the spark for you for Open Wide? I guess the spark was my relationship with Nick. Like, I had never experienced anything like this love before. I've never, I didn't believe in soulmates. I didn't believe in twin flames. Like I didn't believe that you could be with someone who is there to compliment, not complete. Like I didn't believe in any of that stuff. And so then when I met Nick, it was just like, Oh, Oh, I get it. I get it. We got engaged after two weeks, you know, Mm. like I just, I just knew. And then we were married five months later and that was over five years ago now. And I had never experienced the depth of love within myself as well as within Nick. So before Nick, I had done so much inner work. I was on my own, not in a relationship, and I was just doing so much inner work. And I'd finally come to a place of like deep love for myself, deep self-love. And I didn't know that existed. And then Nick and I, as the universe, you know, delivered this beautiful man to me, I wanted to write about the type of relationship that is possible. And I wanted to write about, you know, because so many people settle and I hate that word, like they settle. And I wanted to inspire people to not settle for anything other than what they truly desire. And also we're not taught how to be in relationships. So open wide isn't just about your romantic relationship. It's, it starts being about the relationship with yourself and then your relationship with your friends and your family. And then it goes into your relationship with your beloved because it kind of needs to happen in that order. You need to come first. (laughs) You need to fill yourself up first before you call in your lover. And so you know, so many people would just say to me, I broke up with my partner because of you and Nick. And I'm not joking how many, and I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, (laughs) and, and then they would continue to say, you showed me what's truly possible in a relationship. And the amount of people that have said that to us, I'm not even joking. It is, it is crazy. And I am so glad that I can show people that they can have a relationship that is so beautiful. Now that doesn't mean I don't want anyone to think that Nick and I eat freaking unicorns for breakfast and that we don't fight and that he doesn't annoy the crap out of me. We are still human and like, yeah, there's stuff that still happens and we live and work together. We're under the same roof a lot of the time besides when he's in the music studio. And so we're, we do, we do everything together. And so we wanted to share what is truly possible and what has worked for us. And, you know, our communication, the way that we communate, that the practices that we use, practicing CCC, which is crystal clear communication. Yeah, I wanted you to speak about that actually. Yeah. So another certification that I did one time was, <laughs> <laughs> was nonviolent communication. Have you guys heard about that? Yeah. We yeah. haven't done a certification, but we have, we have learned about it. Well, I, when I first became a stepmom, which is another whole world. Like yeah. it is another whole world. And, and I came into this beautiful boy's little life when he was seven. So all of his development had been done. Right. And so I come into his life. He's now 13 and I floundered. I had 
No, I, no one had taught me. My parents are still together and Nick's parents are still together. So I don't know what it's like to be in a blended family. I have no idea. I don't know. And so I was clutching at straws. I was reading, I was trying, there's, and do you know what? There's not a lot of step parenting books out there and there's not a lot of stuff on podcasts. I searched everything. That's an opportunity for you. Exactly. Yes. That will be a book for sure. I will write that. And there's, there wasn't a lot. And so of course there's like Dr. Shafali and all this amazing stuff, but not a lot for step parents. And so I was floundering and floundering. And then I went and did nonviolent communication. I did every course on relationships and parenting I could because I just didn't know what to do. And so I learned nonviolent communication and I took some of the principles that I learned from that and created this thing called CCC, crystal clear communication, because I didn't like that whole nonviolent communication thing. I was like, what is this? And so Nick and I started practicing it and it's basically just being crystal clear in your dialogue, always starting with, I feel not you make me feel, and it's speaking from your heart. And if you're in your head, you don't talk. You, you wait until you're in your heart space and you speak from there. And practicing crystal clear communication has been one of the biggest things that has kept our relationship growing and evolving. And we practice it with Leo, my stepson as well. And so everything that I'd learned about relationships, I wanted to create a a manual, a relationship guide. You know, we're not taught any of these tips in school, even things like in the book, I talk about how to be a good friend, you know, like how to be a soul sister, because for women, especially, and men too, but for us, especially like our sisterhood is so important yet. We're not taught how to nurture those relationships, how to grow those relationships. And the fact is that a relationship grows the more love and attention you give to it. Like the grass is greener where you water it, not the grass, you know, it's not the grass is greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. And the more love and energy and attention that you put into your relationships or relationship, the more it's going to grow and flourish. And I wanted to just share everything I'd learned about love and relationships in this book, like as a guide for women so that they can have thriving, epic, deep, open, loving relationships and friendships. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I do think you're right. There is a dearth of information out there. It's like not, I mean, yes, there's stuff a lot about romantic relationships and I love what you speak about in the book. And I love that it's really that three part where it's about yourself first and then your friends and family and then your beloved, because that makes sense as far as a like progression. So what are the up to three things that makes your... Up to three, but no more. <laughs> well, you might only have one. So I like to say, what are the three things? You're like, well, I can't think of them. So oh, up to this three, is I clear see. communication. What, what, what's crystal, crystal clear, clear. communication? Where I'll, get, I'll get you that section of the book. Yeah. We'll practice. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's very clear right now, just that you, you are doing it because you're like, how do you feel about stuff? Um, <laughs> what has been for you and Nick, like that's made your relationship successful? Mm, definitely practicing crystal clear communication. And the, you see, the thing is, and it is proven that there is relationship breakdown. The only time relationship breakdown happens is when someone hasn't communicated clearly. It's like, well, I thought you said this, oh, but no, I want you to do that. Oh, can't you read my mind? Why didn't you know I wanted you to take out the rubbish? Like, can't you, you know, I think as well, us women think our men can read our mind. They can't as much as we would like them to, they can't. And it's proven that relationships break down because there's a lack of crystal clear communication. So that has been number one key to mine and Nick's relationship and to continue for that to grow and evolve. That is very important. Number two is both of us doing the individual work. So, you know, seeing therapists individually working on stuff when it comes up. I mean, we're not always in therapy all the time, but like if something comes up for me, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to go have a chat about that. If something comes up for him, he'll go have a chat about that. And so that's really important in making sure you're both individually 
working on yourselves and growing and whatever feels good for you guys, whether it's exercising, meditating, nourishing your body, it's very important that both parties are showing up for themselves because yeah. it's not about you complete me. It's you are my compliment. You are the cherry on top of my already delicious, gluten-free, sugar-free, dairy-free chocolate brownie. Like I don't need the cherry, but you're pretty good. You can just like hang out and I don't need you though, but like you're awesome to hold hands through life with. And so we don't, you know, I've been in relationships where they've filled a void in me and I've filled a void in them, but that has an expiration date. And I believe a, a beautiful union is when two whole people come together and then they hold hands through life together. So doing the work, crystal clear communication. And I think the third one is regular intimacy, like regular lovemaking. Like it is so important. I don't, some people are like, it's not important. Um, it is important. It's important. And that's your time. And that's the only thing that you two do together that you don't do with anybody else. Like you can't do that with your best friend. I mean, well, I suppose, but yeah, we can, but (laughs) exactly. And each to their own, but I choose not to. And it's the only thing that Nick and I do that really is very special and very sacred. And if you want to make something, you've got to make it. Like if you want to make a cake, you've got to make a cake. If you want to make love, you've got to make love. Mm. You know, you've got to put in the effort. And I know times can go past and, you know, just after giving birth, I've had lots of friends say that they've gone a long time and, you know, my advice, and I haven't been through that yet, but my advice is, you know, making the time for each other is really important. You know, scheduling in the date nights and, the time just to connect and you don't even have to do anything. It just could be getting into bed at eight o'clock and just talking and making love if you do, or just giving each other a foot rub or something like that. It's really important. Otherwise you're just roommates. It is so true. True. It is so true. I say to Nick too, all the time, I'm like, I'm not your roommate. I'm your wife. Like I'm, you know, if, if like, cause I'm more the one that reminds him, like, it'll be like, three days. And I'm like, excuse me. Hello. <laughs> and so I'm curious, like, do you, because you guys have, you know, you do have a full schedule and you do have a stepson and now you're living, you know, he going back and forth. Right. So there are more times apart. And I've heard from other people who teach about intimacy and sex that like, they really recommend scheduling it. And so I'm curious, do you do that? Do you have some clients who practice that? What's, what are your thoughts around I'm a big scheduler, I have to say. So not necessarily always sex, but I'm just like a big scheduler in general. So I'm just curious. Yes, I am a massive scheduler. Like it comes back to that organization that we were talking about before. And you don't necessarily, like we, we know that for us every evening, like we don't go out in the evenings. We don't, we want that time. That's our time. So we know that from dinner time, onwards is our special sacred time. So we know that. And if then something else comes up, like tonight, he is going to be in the music studio. That's not very often that he does that at nighttime. So he's like, you know, I'm going to be doing this. And so we just practice the crystal clear communication. I'm like, no worries. And so, yeah, we put it in. And then, you know, this just the other day, he said to me, do you want to do a date night on Saturday night? And I was like, yeah, that'd be beautiful. So just whenever, even if it's, you know, 10 minutes in the morning or once the kids are down. So once Leo goes to bed, that is our time. And we're very, we communicate that with Leo as well. Cause there was times where he would come out. Oh, I'm thirsty. I'm like, this is, you know, this is our time. Now you've had a drink of water. You don't need more. Water. <laughs> we're, we're right. We're right in business right now. <laughs> Yeah. And so we're like, and we communicate with him. We're like, this is our special time now. Yeah. And we want him to see that as well. Like we want him to see, oh, my dad and my stepmom, they're so in love and they're, they're taking time for themselves. Like we want to be the example for him, you know? 
Well, I love that you talk about in your book about being a sex positive household and how you will say to him, you know, when our door is closed, we want privacy because we are making love. And I like the clarity of that. I had a friend in college. It made me think of his parents every morning. His parents had sex every morning at 5 a.m. And the kids knew that like they weren't coming downstairs until they had had sex and they the kids like got their own breakfast and that was the deal. And when he told me that, I was like, what? Like, I did not grow up in a household like that. However, how cool. And my friend was like a really like super, super comfortable with sex guy, like in a really healthy way. And I thought that was cool. So I just wanted to commend you for openness and honesty around that. Yeah. And I more so got that from Nick because I, you know, I learned a lot of my parenting from Nick as well because I was thrown into it. And so I would be like floundering. I'm like, do I let him see me naked? Like, you know, and, and he'd be like, yes. And you stand very confident and you don't, you know, where my mom was like, Oh my God, get out. Like, you know, like slam the door. I grew up in a household where it was a lot of body shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of taboo, a lot of closed doors, a lot of like, what's going on in there? Like a lot of secrecy and questioning. And we don't want that for Leo. Like we want him to be really confident in his body. We want him to not feel insecure about any of his parts. And so the way that we teach that is by modeling it, not by telling him, oh, you're so beautiful and you've got a beautiful body. He's going to be like, that's going to go over his head. But by Nick and I standing strong when we're naked in front of the mirror, when we get out of the shower, not slamming the door in his face and telling him to get out. It's, you know, almost like this is me and, and I love all of these parts about me. And that's how we model to our children body confidence. Yeah, it's really powerful, really powerful. Well, I just I mean Penelope walked down the street the other day and said, I was like, what are you doing? She's like, well, my underwear stuck in my vulva, so I'm just <laughs> taking it out. And I said, all right. I mean, we, we are very big on accurate part names in our house. Yes. I will say that. And, yes, I think yeah. that's amazing. And it's we were really the same. Good. Like, again, when I first like became a parent, I would be like, what do I call it? And Nick's like, a penis. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Okay. Like, you know, and I, again, I grew up in a, in a household where it was called all of these little names. And I'm just like, why, why are we doing that? I know it just, it really adds to it. Yeah. So like, I mean, having girls, this is something I think about a lot. So I really appreciated the sections in your book that really talk about parenting and sex positive and body confidence, super, super helpful stuff. And especially, you know, coming into parenting, when your stepson was older, that is challenging. So I appreciate the extra lens too, because I do think that all types of parents have something to teach one another. And so I think it's helpful for me to learn from, you Mm -hmm. know, from a different type of mother than I am. So thank you for that. Okay. So I I also want to know one last thing before we let you go. So I want to know in this journey that you've been on over the last nine years, You shared about Louise Hay, and I know that from our conversation on your podcast, she's been a huge influence as well. And so I am curious, who else are like, you know, one to three of your top teachers who you've just learned from, whether it's in business, wellness, spirituality, who are your, who are your people who you really look to, you know, they might be living, they might not be. Definitely my husband, because he's eight years older than me. So he had a lot of entrepreneurial and internet marketing experience before we met. So then we met and he kind of had so much experience that he was able to apply to my business. So he has taught me so much. He's amazing. Like he's had, he had a a magazine, he's had an app, he's produced movies, like he's a musician. He's done so much. And so definitely him, Marie Folio, for sure. I did B school in 2011. So I think that's when I did it. Yeah. 2011 or maybe 2012. I can't remember. And since then I've been an affiliate of hers and she really did open my eyes to the online world and the 
just the broad scope of what you can achieve and what you can do and what you can create. So definitely her. And then I think, oh, uh, yeah, I think Nick and Louise Hay and Marie Folio have definitely been the top three. I love that. Mm. Thank you so good, much. Good trio. Thank you. It is a good trio. I don't know Nick, but I know the other two. <laughs> and I look forward to knowing Nick one day. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys would love him. I love your podcast so much, by the way. I laugh out loud so much because you guys remind me of us so much and just the banter. Like I'm dead set. I just love it so much. So thank you so much for doing it. And it's, it's such an honor to be on your show. Like it truly is. Well, well that you. is so fun. I know when you share that you listen, it's I, I mean, it's, I always get very, like, I always feel like very humbled by that when, you know, because we just sit here in our house and record. And then the fact that people actually listen is just astounding to me. Uh, so thank you for being our guest. I have loved getting to know you. Where should people connect with you and, and what would you like them to, you know, go gather of your things? Well, you can just head to my website, which is melissaambrosini.com and you can get both of my books, Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide there. You can also download my podcast, come and hit subscribe. And I'm big on Instagram and Facebook. I love hanging out on Instagram. And if anyone's listening to this and they do come and connect with me, please tell me that you heard this and that's how you found me. Cause I'd love to know like that you listen to this and then yeah, website and Instagram and my podcast, the Melissa Ambrosini show come and connect there. I love chatting and meeting like-minded people. So I'm open to connecting with more. Amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was really, really fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I am so excited to tell you that my new book, Do Less, A Revolutionary Approach to Time and Energy Management, is now out. You can get the book along with a workshop on how to set boundaries and say no, and a workshop on how to apply the 80-20 rule to your life so you can get 80% more results with only 20% of the work, plus two Maven masterclasses over at katenorthrop.com forward slash book. And the book is available anywhere books are sold. Get your copy of Do Less.